Good afternoon and welcome. It's midday. I'm Tom Hall. Very glad you are along for the ride. Last night, Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky addressed a joint meeting of Congress. Speaking in English, he delivered an impassioned speech in which he said that Ukrainian courage and American resolve must guarantee the future of our common freedom. The speech was greeted rapturously by most members of Congress who gave the Ukrainian leader prolonged standing ovations. President Biden announced another tranche of aid for Ukraine. Earlier this week, the administration committed for the first time to send a Patriot missile defense system to Ukraine. USAID totals more than $100 billion so far, and some Republicans have signaled an unwillingness to continue aid at current levels. Zelensky's brief appearance in Washington, which lasted less than 10 hours, overtook other big news in the nation's capital. The long-awaited report from the special committee investigating the January 6th attack on the Capitol was to have been released yesterday, but that release has been delayed until today. On Monday, the special committee made four referrals to the Department of Justice recommending that former President Donald Trump be prosecuted for four crimes. In their last public meeting on Monday, they recap some of the testimony that they've heard over the course of their public and private hearings, and they introduce some new testimony by Hope Hicks, a former advisor to the former president. And the Ways and Means Committee discovered that unlike other presidents, Mr. Trump's tax returns while he was in office were not audited as required. Joining me now is Kimberly Whaley, a visiting law professor at American University and the author of several really good books, including How to Read the Constitution and Why. She joins us on our digital line. Hey, Kim, happy holidays. Hi, Tom. Happy holidays to you. So you wrote a piece in The Bulwark um, after the committee met on Monday for their last meeting, and it begins as follows. You write, it is difficult to overstate the constitutional significance of the final public hearing of the House January 6th committee. Um, Why is this such an important uh, event? Gosh, you know, in introducing it today on the heels of President Zelensky coming to the United States to uh, argue for additional aid, not as charity, he said, but because it's about freedom and democracy across the globe, that's what this is about. Um, and, you know, as someone who's been following this for, you know, years now, just reading the summary, I still am astonished that we made it through January 6th as a intact democracy where the people for this moment are still able to choose their political leaders and not the other way around. Because once it happens that people in power can by force snatch an election and establish and entrench themselves in power, which this even the summary makes a very persuasive case that Donald Trump tried to do that in many, many facets, you know, many angles he tried. Once that happens, then the, then the politicians decide, pick and choose winners and losers when it comes to liberties and freedom. That's why, you know, it's really breathtaking uh, that, that we made it through. And I think the big takeaway for me and for others should be that we need to make sure this doesn't happen again, because the threat is not over. The the guardrails are not in place yet to prevent something like this from happening and from happening successfully. 
The committee uh, historically recommended, uh, referred to the Justice Department four areas that they thought the department should pursue for criminal prosecution. Um, what are the consequences if they decide not to pursue any indictments against former President Trump? Right. So the Justice Department now um is sort of focused on one man in terms of making these four decisions, and that is special counsel Jack Smith, who, by virtue of his appointment, is not now within the direct chain of command of Merrick Garland. Um, Merrick Garland can weigh in on things, but it's harder for Merrick Garland to direct the outcome. And I think that's important for people to understand. Um, I think, you know, special counsel Smith is probably less concerned than even Merrick Garland about the political implications of this. He's going to look at the law and the facts. But I did a piece, um, I don't know, within the last year for Politico where I had done a thought experiment with my law students where we kind of went through all the guardrails and checks and balances that keep presidents from abusing their power, which, of course, the framers were worried about. Um, they had escaped a, an unlimited monarchy. That's what the revolution was about. Uh, and came to the conclusion, you know, by the end of the class, and I produced an op-ed on this, that really criminal prosecution is the only thing left to disincentivize a future president from using the massive powers of his or her office to stay in power. And, and you know, really the Constitution is not self-executing. Um, it's kind of like a speed limit. You know, we have all driven through a speed limit, 35, we've gone 45. But if we know that we're going to get a ticket because there's a machine hiding in the bushes that's going to send it to us in the mail. We'll slow down the next time. And the question is, what are the tickets for speeding through the law and the Constitution and the White House, which Donald Trump did in, you know, un unprecedented ways? And, and, you know, you kind of have to scratch your head um, in this moment, absent some kind of a prosecution. I'm not saying a conviction, but a prosecution, something that's going to tell future presidents to say, whoa, I don't really want to do that. Because even in this very polarized environment of 2022, the last guy got caught and had to pay a price. Kimberly Whaley is a law professor at the University of Baltimore, currently a visiting law professor at American University. She's written a bunch of really good books, one of which is How to Read the Constitution and Why. She also hosts a terrific show on YouTube called Simple Politics. It's midday. I'm Tom Hall. If you have a question for Kim Whaley, 410-662-8780 or email midday at wypr.org and to tweet us, it's at midday. WIPR. So, Kim, I haven't seen any uh, notifications in the last 10 or 15 minutes that the report is out yet, um, but it's supposed to be out sometime today. There was an introductory uh, document released by the committee on Monday, uh, the time of their final public hearing. And we are going to hear from the committee again over the next 10 days or so until the, the 3rd of January when the new Congress is sworn in and this committee will uh, be disbanded. Um, they're be, they're releasing transcripts of some of their interviews. A thousand different witnesses. Uh, Luke Broadwater from the New York Times estimates more than a million pages of documents. Uh, powerful videos, some of which they shared with the country for the first time in the course of their hearings. Um, what do we know so far about what this report will include? Well, the summary that you indicated is actually, you know, over 100 pages. There's a lot there. And if if people are interested in sort of having, a, you know, 
a thorough historical understanding of what happened. I encourage everyone to take a look. And it's also interesting, they state in the summary they're going to produce videos that people can watch to educate themselves on it. But it essentially not only walks through the the four um, crimes, alleged crimes that they're referring to the Justice Department that Donald Trump, they believe the evidence shows committed, um, but they walk through the various steps that Donald Trump took to 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 take the election. You know, people tend to focus on the speech on the day in the ellipse and um, some get sort of hung up on, well, you know, was he coordinating with the actual protesters? Um, they, they very painstakingly walk through not only how so many con- uniformly within the Trump administration, these are Republicans who were Trump's, you know, chosen handpicked, um, lawyers and, and advisors. It consistently told him the, you lost the election. There's no path to taking the election that's legal. So that's extremely well established. And then they walk through the, you know, the various st- steps that he took, including pressuring Mike Pence. And it's really compelling to read about how dangerous it became personally for Mike Pence. And of course, that culminated, um, with, you know, the chance to hang him, um, on the day, um, to fake slates of electors in, in various states, to pressuring legislatures in the states to take steps to take the election from the voters, to um, potentially appointing Jeffrey Clark um, to take over as attorney general because he promised to to lie on behalf of the Justice Department uh, when Bill Barr wouldn't even do that and say, you know, there there was there was a fraud when there wasn't a fraud. Um, to the 60 plus lawsuits and all the lawyer, the, the judges, you know, judges, some of them who were Trump appointees said, no, there's no evidence of fraud, um, culminating in the day where, you know, Hope Hicks, you mentioned his close, one of his closest confidants, we found out just this week, uh, asked him repeatedly to please tweet and ask people to be peaceful and he would not do it. Um, and then knowing that there was violence, that he sat and watched television and refused to step in and stop it, you know, really paints a portrait of January 6th really being, you know, lying at the feet of one man. And the big question, I think, for voters, in addition to Jack Smith and the Justice Department, but for voters is, is this what we want to encourage going forward? And has enough been done to prevent this kind of energy from building again? What's your take on uh, Merrick Garland's decision to appoint a special counsel, Jack Smith? Um, he's uh, an experienced prosecutor. Um, what's the upside? What's the downside of the Department of Justice you know, putting this uh, in the hands of a special counsel, as you mentioned earlier, Merrick Garland is now not running this investigation. Mr. Smith is. He's doing this independently. Um, is that is that a good idea? Is that a bad idea? Is it neutral? What do you think? Well, I also did a piece for this on the Bulwark right when it happened for the Bulwark, and I, you know, my position was that it it was a good thing, and I don't really know how an alternative. Because think about this, Tom. I mean, if this moves forward. Donald Trump's already announced that he wants to, he's going to run for president again. Um, you know, many people, Republican pundits believe that, you know, if he, unless he steps down, he's a presumptive Republican nominee. And there's also talk that Joe Biden's going to run. So there could be a Biden versus Trump, uh, you know, second round for president. And, and during that, there could be a Joe Biden's Justice Department investigating slash prosecuting his, his you know, rival for the presidency. 
So Garland, who was on the D.C. Circuit for nearly three decades, is a you know constitutional expert by virtue of that, I think understood that there has to be some kind of sort of wall between Joe Biden's Justice Department through Merrick Garland and that process, um, both to ensure that there's no abuses, but also to to ensure to sort of tell the public that everything is being done to do to enforce the rule of law in a way that's apolitical. And of course, there will, if this produces indictments, there will be criticism, there will be calls of, you know, pol- politicking, etc. And that's why this document, again, even the summary is so important. Read, read the this testimony that people made under oath. These are people that are close to Donald Trump, that, you know, these are not people who are lying or have any agenda here. And make the decision for yourself, assess for yourself whether you believe what they say to be true. And in terms of, um, you know, evidentiary output, in terms of what the Justice Department would need to prosecute Mr. Trump on any of the four charges, um, has the committee done a lot of the work that the Justice Department would normally do? They are, of course, uh, already and have been under this this investigation by the Justice Department has been underway for a while. Do you expect that there's going to be, you know, a whole lot of difference between what the committee came up with and what the uh, Justice Department could come up with on its own? Well, I'd say a big piece um, is is White House Counsel Pat Cipollone, who refused to, on executive privilege grounds and, and assuring client privilege grounds, answer questions to the committee about his direct conversations with Donald Trump. And the report, the summary indicates that that won't be the case in the grand jury. So at a minimum, the Justice Department will know from, from Donald Trump's lawyer, top lawyer, about direct communications knowledge that Donald Trump had. I think that's a critical piece. But just to be clear, um, information that goes to the grand jury is secret. It will never see the light of day unless there is a criminal prosecution in which that information is is entered into evidence or if a federal judge decides that it's in the public interest down the road to make it public. So that's really the big difference. But as you indicate, the people behind this committee investigation, which really is astonishing, we all as Americans should feel like, wow, government worked here in a bipartisan way to, to give us this information. Um, these are former prosecutors. So, so it was built up, I think, by the committee in a very professional way that will just be handed off to DOJ once the underlying documents are sent. Uh, over and as you ca- as you indicated, a parallel grand jury has been um, been investigations been being conducted. Uh, unusual to have the same witnesses in two places, and I think their lawyers, uh, even if you know you're telling the truth, it's really important to be consistent um, in those in both venues. That's an unusual uh, turn of events. Is that doesn't usually happen in criminal prosecutions that there's the same witnesses have already testified on the same topic very recently under oath. Yeah, that's another interesting wrinkle to this. Let's see if we can get a quick call in because we just have a couple minutes left. Let's go to Clarence calling from Baltimore City. Clarence, what's your quick question for Kim Whaley? Is there anything, oh, good afternoon. Uh, Is there anything that you think that we are not doing or should be written into law to protect the democracy from a stealthier Donald Trump? Donald Trump was obvious, was easy to spot coming around the corner. But what about... um, this type, what type of behavior from a president do you think should be written in the law as automatic impeachment that you have to go because this is leading us somewhere that we don't want to go? 
Thanks. Yeah, thanks, Clarence. And of course, uh, you, you know, the, the Electoral Count Act uh, looks like it's going to be revised, uh, Lord knows when. Um, but uh, other than that, are there statutes, you know, that need to be changed? Or did the statutes that we have, uh, as you alluded to earlier in the conversation, you know, uh, do the trick? They, they, they held up. Yeah, well, the, it looks like the in the budget package is a provision to amend the Electoral Count Act, which so people know, I mean, if that passes through at the end of the year, that would mean it, to make it very clear that vice presidents can't just pick elections, right? And that was one of the, the pressure campaign against Mike Pence. There's also now, we, we, we saw with the release of the tax returns, um, there should be, I think, some movement on forcing or making it a, a you know requirement that presidential candidates make those kinds of things public. It, prior to Donald Trump, it was all voluntary. But again, I did a piece, I think, in a, a, a long law review article for one of the University of Pennsylvania law journals outlining multiple kinds of changes to the various guardrails, legal guardrails. And Tom, as you know, lots of this happened post-Watergate. We have a lot more protections post-Watergate than we did before. Unfortunately, with the House going to Republican control, it's unlikely that they're going to to be, those changes will be made. And Joe Biden may prioritize other things, frankly, and that Congress did, but they had a difficult time with the filibuster in the Senate. So this is something that we're going to have to hope for down the road. But again, you know, we see that elections still matter. Uh, and so voters, voters should weigh in on this in the next election and in every election. Educate yourself uh, on, on, on the, the threat that this poses and put people in office with integrity that are willing to, to sacrifice their own personal political power for the broader sake of freedoms that come with a democracy by the people. And Kim, in our last 30 seconds, the issue of the tax returns, which the Ways and Means Committee has decided to release, and then there's this issue of the the norm that uh, all presidents are automatically uh, audited, but it appears that Mr. Trump wasn't audited for at least the first couple of years of his presidency. Does this impact the DOJ investigation, the Jack Smith investigation, the committee's work, et cetera? No. I mean, in this moment, it doesn't look like there's necessarily no overlap. But the fact is, you indicate that there's regulations that mandated an audit and it did not happen. And of course, Donald Trump made the audit the excuse for not complying with the law that does require once the um, the Ways and Means Committee asked for those records, the the, ta- the returns, he should have turned them over. I think that that is going to need more investigation, and the Senate Finance Committee can still do that. Um, but that, you know, Donald Trump just keeps opening more cans of worms. It's like whack-a-mole. Every time we turn around, he's blown through yeah. some other norm, some other law. And, you know, the upside of that is maybe we can plug the holes, as, as your last caller suggested, um, but that requires all of us to come together and educate ourselves and put pressure on our political leaders to do the right thing. All right. Lots to keep uh, on top of, and we will um, indulge. Uh, if you will indulge us, we will keep uh, asking you to help us keep on top of it. Kim Whaley, a law professor at the University of Baltimore School of Law and currently a visiting professor at American University. One of her terrific books is called How to Read the Constitution and Why. She'll also hosts Simple Politics on YouTube. Merry Christmas, Kim. Appreciate it. Same to you, Tom. Thanks for having me. Coming up, Jason Gay of the Wall Street Journal introduces us to his new book, I Wouldn't Do That If I Were Me. I'm Tom Hall. Stay with us.
This is your public radio, 88.1 WYPR.